At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It is emotional, right? And Mm -hmm. some people are giving you advice from their own trauma. So, and like even financial trauma, right? They've been in a position where they were down so long that they are unwilling to take risk. So they can't give you investment strategy because they're not investing. They're so afraid to be broke. But the business doesn't have any money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. Do a mass transfer of whatever amount, $1,000, whatever amount you want to fund your business from your personal to your business. When I see that as an accountant, I'm going to say that's equity. You're more brilliant than me. You work harder than me. You are smarter than me. And you are scared. And I don't understand it. It's important to realize the seeds you've sown, realize that there's going to it's going to come a time where you got to harvest the seeds. Welcome. You are tuned into Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. This podcast is a space for honest and relevant conversations meant to recharge black women and inspire you on your journey. We're your hosts, Akila Friend and Ty McRae, and each week we'll be addressing a range of topics from self-care, entrepreneurship, to politics and relationships. Join us as we explore the ups and downs and bask in the joys of Black womanhood. Hey, y'all, you're tuned into another episode of Revolt's Monuments to Me. This is a protected space for black women and those who love black women. And today is no different. We're your hosts. I'm Akila Friend. And I'm Ty McRae. And today we are talking about financial empowerment. Empower me, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about financial freedom, financial independence, and overall what's needed, the tools, the information, the resources, et cetera, to help allow black women to grow in this space. We couldn't do this conversation alone. So we have a very special guest here with us, Anta Huger who would talk more so about really what she's done to empower herself financially. And hopefully by the end of this conversation, we're leaving you, we're leaving ourselves with the tools that we need to kind of just step it up in this life when it comes to getting our money, honey. Let's do it. (laughs) And so tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get started. Absolutely. So I am an Atlanta native, an accounting grad from Georgia State, both master's and undergrad and graduate degree from Georgia State. And I just love all things finance and empowerment. I've been working in this space actually since like high school as a mentor to other students and then leaving school, mentoring and educating people. So worked at Georgia State as a teacher, taught accounting for a while, have my own accounting firm and also serve as the CFO for a couple private equity and investment groups. Okay. Yeah. So we we brought the big ballers <laughs> here, to, you know, small yes. pennies, small pennies, small pennies, small pennies. <laughs> this is not social media financial bloggers. No shade to them, but you I literally really, don't do that. Yeah, you <laughs> literally <laughs> do not do that. And it's important, especially in this day and age, yeah, folks. You know, you can reinvent yourself in any type of way online, yeah. any type of way in real life. So you right. need to tell me now that the best business advice is not available on IG? It probably <laughs> is not, but who would have known, right, from all the things you can find? Okay. You would think. 
No, I always question it. <laughs> Why do a lot you of question it out as an actual, you know, because a, a lot of it is like skirting the line of truth. And so that's what makes me frustrated to understand people's motives, because it's true enough that if someone was to Google it, they'd believe that everything that was said was true. But it's not factual in how you apply it most times. It's like they've read something and they've given you a little bit of a this is what I think to do with it. But they don't often give the disclaimer. They're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just Googled that. And so I'd be okay with it if you just said, like, I'm learning with you. You know, right. that's a different platform than to present yourself as an expert. That's right. I don't like it. You got the degrees. So you actually know what you're talking about. You are here today as an expert. Thank you. But before we jump in, we'd love to ask our guests, what is your dream for black women? Oh, my dream for black women would be holistic wellness. So being financially fit, spiritually fit, you know, physically fit and not conforming to what we would say is like a societal norm. But whatever it is that that means for you as an individual, like if we could all just be that and understand that that is inherently different for every single woman. So I think that would be my dream. I think a lot of people are kind of copy pasting, carby copping it these days. And I just would prefer us to realize that we were all created so uniquely and just to live in that. So yes. that's my dream. I love that. Yeah. I really like that your holistic wellness included financially fit, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes, not sometimes myself included, when I think mm-hmm. of wellness, I'm thinking mental health, I'm thinking friends, I'm thinking yeah. family relationships. I'm not really thinking of the finances mm-hmm. and that might be the problem, right? I and think- they're all <laughs> interrelated. Like honestly, yeah. the friends you have and the way that you interact with family and some of the stressors that we have in our careers and our families and our friendships are or oriented around money or the lack thereof mm-hmm. and knowledge about finances or the lack thereof. And so it has to be all kind of one thing. You have to think about it holistically or all of them will fail together. I totally agree. I was speaking to someone in my family who is like that person who helps everybody, mm-hmm. but there was just things around both her health and her money that she wasn't mm-hmm. taking care of. And I was like, how do you not consider that self-care? Yeah. Like the idea that you didn't make the doctor's appointment. Yeah. But you drove everyone else to where they needed to be. Yeah. Like you're not putting yourself first. Absolutely. And, you know, things with your money too. like for us to think about money as a part of fitness. Yeah. I love yeah. that. It's an exercise. Like you really have to yeah. do it. And I'm the same way. Like I was the person in the ER completely thinking I was having a heart attack, but had been taking care of everyone else and literally just kind of text people like, I think I'm gonna go to the ER, but very like nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of was weird for my family to all be like, girl, what do you mean? Like, we're all, what do you mean? You know, because I'm that person that's like the solve it for everybody else. I'm the strong friend. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where I'm not used to people checking on me or expecting people to check on me. And part of it is that we don't give people access to even know they need to check on you. Mm -hmm. So financially as well, like you, we oftentimes are putting up that barrier of wanting it to seem like we got it all together. And that makes it hard for people to check in on you because when you're in a space where it's like finances still are, it's taboo in a sense to talk Absolutely. about in the deepest sense. Absolutely. You should talk about surface. These are things you should do. Mm-hmm. This is how you should invest. But surface. to talk right, yeah. surface. To talk mm-hmm. about how you yourself might be struggling mm-hmm. or might be well off. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems still very taboo. So I'm even curious with your your aunt or mm-hmm. yourself. Like yeah. how did you even know that your aunt was struggling? Did she finally tell you or you were kinda like Because I was talking about taxes because, you know, of course I have <laughs> delayed the April deadline and I'm trying to make the act I'm not trying to make the October one. I'm going to make yes. the October one. You are. Yes. Own it. You really don't have any options. You don't. <laughs> you can penalty. miss it, yes. but I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> and so I was talking about, oh my gosh, I have all this work to do. And they were like, oh, I do too. And I was just like, 
what? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you're going here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're talking about apple picking. Like, That's me. <laughs> get your shit together. Right. Like, like, how you miss this? I don't get it. Like, And so I think it's one, it's you don't, I still don't feel comfortable talking about money with people who are mm-hmm. close to me. But then, and I love everybody, when you talk into certain circles, like, how do you know you're getting good advice? That's true. Ooh, yeah. yeah so. and, and you don't. Oftentimes, you have to be willing to kind of do your own research mm-hmm. and check with sources that you know are objective in the space and are going to give you kind of fact-based assessments for what's going on around you because it is emotional, right? And mm-hmm. some people are giving you advice from their own trauma, So and like even financial trauma, right, they've been in a position where they were down so long that they are unwilling to take risk. So they can't give you investment strategy because they're not investing. They're so afraid to be broke that investment is not on the top of their list. They're hyper savers, you know, so it's kind of one of those things where you have to know the context Gift and curse of families that you know them and yes. then you also know them. So, know them. yeah, you know them, know yes. them, right? <laughs> so you mentioned how emotional money is mm-hmm. and it really, really is. Tell me more about that. Like, how do you ma- know if you're making a wise decision or if you're making it from a place of trauma? I think time, writing it down tends to take it out of like an emotional abstract space and put it into something very physical and formal. Like I use Google Sheets, but that's just my that's my jam because I, I can take it everywhere I go on my phone, my iPad. But even on a piece of paper, like actually making a plan to uh, do something and like writing the numbers to it, a business plan, some type of template that forces you to think through questions that you may not objectively think through on your own helps you to understand if this is real or just emotional. And then time, you know, write it down and, and take a minute, breathe on it and come back. I think about it with investments, like some things you do kind of have to do quickly, but I don't do quick investments that I had never considered before. So if I invest quickly in something, it's because I had already done some level of research in the past, maybe hadn't pulled the trigger, but it's not entirely new to me. you got to give it some time to breathe and have a level of like understanding with it before you make an emotional decision. And then as it relates to shopping, because that can be an emotional money trigger. Listen. Be clear about your needs. There are three women here. (laughs) Such intricate designs on their nails. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The things that we actually spend money on. Like, it's got to be a give and take, right? So I know that I'm the person who, like, loves to get my nails done, but that may mean I can't buy whatever X, Y, Z other thing. Even with, like, cars. I really like cars. Mm -hmm. I understand that, like, they're depreciating assets for the most part. So I can't spend an, an absorbent amount of money on a car and then be in an apartment. That okay. doesn't make good financial sense. Mm-hmm. Funny story. So for years, not years, but like for a while, mm-hmm. I drove the oldest 1998 RAV4. And, and love it. And I did that because I was like, okay, if I am not paying for a car, not paying for a car note, mm-hmm. then I can spend. It actually made me more irresponsible oh, in see. other ways. Yeah, yeah like, I can see that. Like, this is loosey goosey. Like, yeah. I got extra. But mm-hmm. that extra had been spent six a bunch times. times over. Yeah. <laughs> because you're not even doing the math on it. Like, you're really like, the car note was I'll like $300, $400, and you like spent $6,000. Yes. Oh, because I've got no car note. Exactly. Like, that's the rationale. You like, get out of my diary. Exactly. And then I am driving home from a dinner. That costs more than the car. Yeah. <laughs> AT&T Fiber presents a straightforward moment. Your wine. Thanks. I'll pretend I know what I'm doing before saying it's good. And I'll pretend I don't know you're pretending. Are you a gagillionaire? Yeah, I have AT&T Fiber. The straightforward pricing has inspired me to be more straightforward. Me too. Ugh, this wine. I'll fetch you a better one. 
Straightforward is better. No equipment fees, no data caps, no price increase at 12 months. Live like a gagillionaire with AT&T Fiber. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. <laughs> and the car starts smoking. And I was like... <laughs> probably should. I probably should go ahead time. and... Yeah. I was actually fine with it. It was the other drivers on the road who were not. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine their frustration. Like, especially if you were anywhere with traffic. Oh my goodness. But that's the thing though. Like people do do that and we have to be very like specific about the things that we're substituting in our finances mm-hmm. right so same thing for me I don't have a card note so it does make me feel a little more loose like I mean I yeah. can take this little trip I can buy this little concert mm-hmm. ticket but I have to start tallying up my little purchases because we do that thing we minimize it by giving it with smaller words and it's mm-hmm. just a it's a little and so yeah we do that that's a mental <laughs> minimization True. for us but it's not small money all of it adds up and so I just have to make a budget for like Oh shit like just this shit may happen and so that's a budget and then like shit I like to eat like yes. that's how my budget is literally yes. labeled like shit I like to eat there because go, like it gets real with me so right. I'm like let it sit with me mm-hmm. I, I might want a bag that's in the budget right. so and if it's like I didn't spend the bag money this month cool I got a little more bag money next month or I can choose mm-hmm. to invest it's my choice but I make a conscious choice every month at the end of the month like this is left so either I'm upping one of the other budgets to give myself more flexibility or I'm saving it or whatever I want to do. But making a conscious choice will stop that. Because if you check yourself every month and like, hmm, I'm not really saving this car note, then you'll make, you know, different decisions. The hope yeah. is that you'll make different decisions. How are not those end of the month situations? Like you said, you do mm-hmm. tally, you check it out. Like, just walk me through what that looks like at the end of the month. Because to be real for a second, we can get into it after this. Like, yeah. we had a nine to five mm-hmm. episode with entrepreneurship or nine to five. Mm-hmm. I was recently let go from my job okay. because of kind of the things that I'm doing with it. Outside of the, with, mm-hmm. you know. Feel it. You know. Been, been <laughs> so, there. Been, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in a situation where I'm like, oh my God, like, this is the first time I'm an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that what money flows different. That mean? It flows so it different. It flows different from someone who's literally really corporate their entire yeah, life yeah. and doing this kind of on the side and yeah. slowly hoping to get to this point. But now I'm at this point and now I'm like, okay, what do I do now? So mm-hmm. let's talk about the budget. Let's and talk let's about talk it. About everything else. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Because being laid off is oftentimes a blessing that we don't recognize. Okay, yeah, but y'all so, keep telling me. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling me. Yeah. Similar situation. Like yes. I didn't get laid off, but I pretty much got forced out. They took mm-hmm. a role for me that I know I should have had. And I told a friend of mine and she was like, but isn't that God just giving you what you've been asking him for? And so the reality is, congratulations in advance. Accept your blessing. But in regards to the budget, it really depends. Everybody's budget is is vastly different. There's some like kind of set parameters, parameters in terms of percentages and how much you should spend on housing and a car. But the reality is everybody's different. I may care more about my car or my house. Someone else may care more about taking trips or uh, going out to eat. So you have to make those budgets based on your real life expectations, because otherwise, I mean, how are you going to hold yourself accountable to something that doesn't make any sense for your life? I make a budget. I also kind of flex it as I need, like I said. So I have my housing. That's pretty set, right? You have a lease for a year or you have a mortgage or whatever period of time. That's kind of set. You don't, (laughs) you can't really make a whole lot of changes there. (laughs) Same thing with your car. For the most part, you know how much longer you have a car note. Mm -hmm. If you have a lease, you know how much that lease is. If you don't have one, you know how much that is. Same thing for car insurance. Like some of these things are just set. Mm -hmm. So put it in there. And then I tend to set kind of percentage-based budgets for everything else. So food, eating out, and traveling, and that kind of thing, and saving and investing. So my rule of thumb is I'm going to save first. Like I'm always going to put save and invest first, hand in hand. 
to be clear, I'm not a hyper saver because yeah. I'm not old enough for that. Right. So oh, I what am, is old enough for that? Like, mm-hmm. and how are you differentiating like yeah. saving and investing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So saving is it's in a savings account. It's not growing at an exponential rate. It's risk free for the most part. It's not nothing is risk free, but right. it's risk free for the most part. Investing is buying real estate, which may be sitting, flipping real estate, stocks, bonds, whatever other things you want to crypto if you're into that like but you have to have some level of diversification in your investments where savings is not diversified it's pretty much just savings account money market and then I have automatic savings like I use Primerica this is not like a a plug at all use whoever you use but that comes out first like it comes out automatically I don't have a choice it just comes out so I'd have to call and sign papers for it not to happen so it's a good like Mm -mm. And then even my bank savings account is not attached to my debit card. So I can see it. And obviously you have a certain number of transfers per month, but it's not attached to anything that I take with me anywhere. So I'd have to make a conscious choice to go into a bank. And who does that these days? So going into a bank to actually touch that money, that that's savings. Like it's out of the way. It's out of my mind. And I pretty much put aside at this point, like 30 percent to the side, whether through Primerica or through my own savings account. And I have money that gets drafted from my checking account to my savings account every Monday. So basically it's kind of, and this started years ago, it's such a small amount, but it was a thing I needed to do. So I had it said, I think I started $20 every month, every Monday to just like take $20. Basically, if you didn't need it, take a little more. If you didn't need it, take a little more. So then I upped it to 50. I think it's now like $200 every Monday. But that kind of just helps me to like, saving little chunks that I didn't really notice right it's like it's as if I went to like you know Burger King twice over the weekend Mm -hmm. and on Monday it's kind of it's gone I don't even know what happened you know went to Starbucks a few times it's gone so that's that and then investing but the Mm check-ins so I put my budget in Google Sheets there are apps like Mint and other other things you can true bill that helps you kind of monitor your spending my rule of thumb though is that I have one card really that I spend mostly on or separating by categories, right? So most of my like day-to-day stuff, my food, all that's on one car so that I can just pull that bank statement and just compare it to my budget. That's pretty much the easiest way. And Bank of America and other banks offer like summations of your expenses and categories. So I try to just follow those categories because I make it hard. So just take the categories they already have. And you have the opportunity in specific expenses to recategorize. Like I don't want that in this budget. I want it in that one. They even offer a budgeting function within the banking apps. So most times you don't even need a, a secondary app. You can use Wells Fargo. You can use Bank of America. And it'll tell you as you go. That's the beautiful part is like throughout your day as you're spending, it'll say, hey, you're trending like 67% over your average entertainment budget mm-hmm. just so you know <laughs> you know so do what you want right but just so you know we are clocking by this time <laughs> right. you usually would have spent this number but you've spent this just yes. so you know yes. you know is it a special <laughs> month so that's that's one of the things you just have to do every month or at least every other Dope. You know? these are good tips about like personal finances mm-hmm. but i read all of these statistics that black women start businesses at disproportionately yes and I also read a really interesting one on the Huffington Post about how toxic corporate America is for black women, which we've Supremely. also. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a connection mm-hmm. between a the two. Bit. I'll, I'll let the world figure know, it out. Connect the dots yeah. on their own. Yeah. But when you're helping businesses mm-hmm. like start that journey, mm-hmm. what is some of the advice you give them? You've given a lot of great personal finance advice. Yeah. But, Same, but it, a lot of it's similar, especially because at the beginning, your personal finances are very much a part of your business's finances. 
to be clear, they are not the same. Yes. And should not be commingled. So I don't wanna I don't wanna confuse anybody on that point. You do have to immediately get a business bank account, which means you immediately need to register in whatever state you're in. You immediately need to get a tax ID, even if you have no intention of having employees, because that's the one thing I always hear is like, I'm not hiring anybody. Why do I you still need it? And mainly because you need a bank account and you need that on day one because you want every penny to be going through your business bank account. For the same reason that I said I use one card, I can track it all. Same thing on the business side. Even if there's multiple cards, you want them to be within the business. The other thing that you run into, especially when you're starting out, is the IRS will will help you to commingle your expenses. And what I mean by that is if you don't separate it, they won't either. And so the things that you try to claim under your business, they'll say, no, that's that's Burger King that you bought for you personally. So they'll help you <laughs> put them back together if you perhaps don't decide to separate them. They're looking for clarity. They're looking for a clear line of demarcation. So if it's meals and entertainment for your business, then it's meals and entertainment for your business. And it shouldn't be in your personal account and vice versa. You shouldn't be paying your personal bills from your business bank account or vice versa. What you should do, there's a simple solve for that because people always get caught up in like, but the business doesn't have any money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. Do a mass transfer of whatever amount, $1,000, whatever amount you want to fund your business from your personal to your business. When I see that as an accountant, I'm going to say that's equity that you've invested in your business and then go spend it however you want to spend it in the business. But then I can always track these transfers from Ty. Those are equity. That's her investment in her business. So you definitely want to do that from day one. Make sure you have an operating agreement and fund your business. Like, And I loved your book because you interviewed and talked to 25 women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Yep. You want to plug your book for the audience? That's Absolutely. It. It's funny. I just I cried about this book over the weekend. Oh, why? Well, because I've been using the same words in context for years and don't catch it. One of my really close friends, she passed away when we were 26. But on her last birthday, I knew it was her last birthday. No one else did. But I made these cards and they were labeled learn or leap. And so on the learn cards, I wanted people to write one thing that I wanted that they wanted her to learn. And on the leap cards, it was one thing I wanted her to try, like someone else to write one thing they wanted to try. And so fast forward, you know, almost a decade later, and my book was called Learning to Leap. It's been the same concepts in my life over and over and over again. I think it was somewhat inspired by her, even if I didn't necessarily make that connection until this weekend. But yeah, so the book is called Learning to Leap. It chronicles the entrepreneurship journeys of men and women, but mostly women and their spouses, including, you know, Melissa Butler, Beatrice uh, Dixon, so Lip Bar and Honey Pie, and just kind of explaining how they came from corporate spaces or spaces that were not really meant for us into spaces that allowed us to flourish and in a lot of ways produce products and services that serve us and financially became, you know, very savvy and learned along the way. But also it's a very like down to earth discussion. It's a very leveled discussion. Like, let's just tell you when I figured out the madness and how I got the money and how, let's just talk about it. So that's what the the nature of it was supposed to be was I saw a lot of black women, to your point, exiting corporate America, but poorly. Mm. And what um, is a right. <laughs> it's a we, good we one. We might be too yeah, yeah. So, and, 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 The and, door is closed. Right. Okay. I will say what I saw specifically was uh, two or three young ladies that exited their corporate space kind of with like the bridge on fire. Oh. And so I tell people all the time, my first client in entrepreneurship was my past employer. And to date, they have made me, well, the most money until this year. So I'll say that until 2022. Are you having a good year? A little bit, a little bit. It's a good year. It's a good year. (laughs) But yeah, so historically, like I left that company and what was my salary, I made about 10 times over as an entrepreneur. Same employer, 
mostly the same work. So it's one of those things where when I say exit badly, there are often ways you can pivot a lot of what you're doing as an employee into something you do as an entrepreneur if it's connected for you, right? Because there are some people who are doing something totally different Mm -hmm. corporate from entrepreneurship. So that's that's different. But even still, I wouldn't necessarily go out guns a-blazing because you don't know how those relationships could come back to benefit you. So one of the things I'm grateful for is that I was always respectful. I was always professional. I was honest. Mm -hmm. I was blunt i was direct they may not have liked it but we were 100 clear on who the people were at the there table we go. Yes. so and you don't have to leave in a negative way so seeing these young ladies leave in such a way that they presented conflicts of interest with their jobs they weren't communicative about what they were doing i told people right like i was clear i told people like yeah i have my own firm i'm not quitting yet because my firm is growing That made some folks uncomfortable and it made people start operating weirdly around me. And that's why I really feel like I got forced out of my role. And the irony is the person who was my my VP at the time has come back later and said, I should have did what you did. I should have went where you went. Can I come work for you? And I was like, no, 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 no. But yeah, so there's a way to leave and still have relationships. I think if you read Cora is in the book. She is the founder of Young King Hair Care. And she talks about how I think she her role was like VP of sustainability or something. So it wasn't directly related. And she was keeping it a secret. And someone like announced it. It was in like a news article. And someone came to work. And like their little Monday circulation of good news. They like shared the article with like everyone in the company. Oh, and she worked goodness. for like United Healthcare. It was like huge. Oh my goodness. So she was mortified. But ironically, her boss and other people actually were very supportive. So I'm like, you just never know. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think mm-hmm. it's important to context, know who yes. you're around and what they think. But yes. also just understand there's a way to leave and still have those people support you and help you, you know, find ways to grow your business. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Because I felt we skirted around it, but let's get to it. Yeah. You mentioned the fact that oftentimes we are, as black women, are in toxic environments. Our corporate America overall can be a toxic environment. Why is that? (laughs) What is the reason? I can can name a few reasons. I I was about to say, how how long we got? (laughs) We could talk about it. (laughs) Capitalism. Right. Right. Sexism, racism, Mm -hmm. ageism. So, because there's a lot of young black professionals, women and men, but ageism is, is becoming a major problem. I would say also because we as black women have been taught to just accept what we're given and work harder. Mm-hmm. as a societal norm and I'm glad to see that shift like I'm I'm actually super happy to see this next generation and even our generation stepping up to say yeah that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. why am I doing that yeah. so we, we don't talk about salaries really amongst each other as women but really period right it's not gender not race like we don't talk about it in our race in our gender in our households so people have zero understanding of what they should be making I tell this story often that one of the times I realized I was underpaid was because my financial advisor who's a black man you know said to me well how much are you making mm-hmm. and so I told him it was like my first time really deciding how much to invest and he was giving me I think it was like a thousand dollars a month is what he was telling me and I was like where right who will win <laughs> I don't have that and he was like well that's what you should have I said but why how would I have it do right. the 
man. <laughs> and so when he started doing, he's like, so you make like 90,000, right? I was like, where? <laughs> no. Why would I? No. What? I just started. I'm an entry level. What? Yes. What is it? And he was like, you are? Well, explain it to me again. You have five employees, right? I said, yeah. He said, okay, you get $10,000 a head for every person you manage. That should be $10,000. I said, cool. He said, and then you have an individual contribution, meaning you yourself are an accountant and doing things that are beyond managing th- their work. I said, yeah. He said, your individual contribution is about $50,000, $60,000. Put it together. I was like, huh. Well, if someone had told me that years ago, I would have approached this discussion very differently. And I went to who was then my my uh, director of HR, another black man, and told him like, hey, I'm being underpaid. At this point, we're kind of friends. So I'm right. like, I'm being underpaid. And he was like, oh, I know. Wow. <gasps> Come on. Right. So here's the thing. He said, but it's your fault. Yeah. That is. No, it's also his. Come on. Well, I, I'm going to tell well, you why. Let well, me tell you why. Yeah. So let me, I can let me tell see, you why. I agree. Right. That it was both of us. See it. But here's the thing. Granted, I'd only been there a year and a half at this mm-hmm. point. So it hadn't been that long. He had a year gone, and a half. A of, year and a half. Of being yeah. underpaid. Let me mm-hmm. clarify for you. I was asked how much I wanted to make. That, right. Uh, and I answered immediately. Because mm-hmm. at that point, and I, I just read this in some notes that I found in my, my pod. I had been turned down in so many jobs up until that point that I took that as an indication that I was not worthy. And so I gave whatever number I thought was going to get me the job. The that right. was it. So I was making like 60K at the time, 45 or so base, 15 and pretty much guaranteed bonuses or more. So in real life, I was making closer to like 80 every year with bonuses, working ridiculous hours. Yep. It was not corporate. It was retail. And I knew I needed to leave. So I knew I was going to take a cut. So I just was like, the last job I got declined for was like 45K. So I was like, I think 43. And he was like, okay. That was it. So he told me point blank to my face, the range for the job that I took was 45 to 72. And they were based on my experience, which I had undervalued because he said they hired you because you had leadership experience. You've worked in what is like a corporate setting. You've worked with the Department of Labor. You took that as not having experience because it wasn't accounting. But that's not how they read it. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And if you ask your boss for what it is that you're supposed to get, I'm going to support it. So go do that. And she gave it to me immediately. That had a, a profound impact on me. It's really interesting. So my job before that was hiring and training at Best Buy. So I wrote all the training manuals, did all the hiring, and there was a range. And I always just, that was very objective about the range. Like mm-hmm. if you've had, you know, X number of years of experience directly, this is where you are in the range. If you've got this number of years, this is where you are in the range. And we were pretty objective about how we did raises and things as well. So I was a little bit jaded. Like I didn't know that this was a thing that like in corporate America, people are out here stealing from folks. Basically, I didn't know. So I'm thinking like the range is the range and they're going to give me within the range. And if I don't say the range, they're going to correct me Mm -hmm. because I'll tell you at Best Buy, I actually started at like $7 an hour. And my GM came and said, yeah, no, not in that role. You need to be between like 12 and, th- and this number, 12 and 15 or whatever. So within a week, they corrected my pay from like mm-hmm. 7 or $8 to like $12. That's and that's what my mind thought the world they was like. Especially uh-huh. when technically you think it's not even your money. It's not your it's money. Not, but I've and, been and, in that and you want too. the level mm-hmm. of employee yes. that requires it. So you yes. don't want a piss poor employee. No. So why would you give piss poor pay? Yes. And mm-hmm. the first thing he said was being paying you at that level means you're going to have to get another job or do mm-hmm. something else that's going to take away from your ability that's to it. succeed here because you're going to constantly be focused on like i'm hungry yeah mm-hmm. i'm poor mm-hmm. i need i got nine roommates you know yeah. and i can't drive a car i gotta like ride with somebody
everybody because right. I'm broke, broke. I just honestly thought that the world, and I love Robert Ellerby to this day mm -hmm. for being that kind of GM amongst yeah. some other things yeah. that he handled for some racism that he wasn't about it. Right. I appreciate that. But I also think it made me go into the world thinking like everybody's going to do that. This is what it's going to wow. be. Yeah. People in corporate America don't always have don't those sponsors. They don't do not. Do so yeah. we talked about leaving mm -hmm. the right way. Mm -hmm. Are there traits that you see of entrepreneurs that are like common like okay when I see this in someone I know they're going to make it as an entrepreneur mm. like things you have to know Ooh, that's a good one I think the trait that I see the most is someone who is like dogmatic like unwilling to just quit mm -hmm. and very you know relentless and well researched right I feel like if you just go out there blindly <laughs> you're gonna fail so I mean I don't know a different way to say that like there's a level of like jump out there and do it right mm -hmm. there are some people that plan too much I'm probably one of those people yeah, like I'm a Virgo I do too much I gotta plan a lot and if it wasn't for, I had been planning to quit for a year. Yeah. My therapist told me to quit. My mama told me to quit. Like Jesus told me to quit. I, I was supposed to quit. <laughs> so what took you so long? How come you were the last person to, to decide? You know what? I didn't decide, honestly. It wasn't even me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was because I kept saying how much I needed to have saved. Yes. I kept yes. saying, I need I like six like... months. I need like nine months. Mm -hmm. I need like 12 months. But because that's fear. You know, okay. that's fear of not knowing how to transition from getting a check every two weeks or every month or whatever and knowing that I'm going to get it no matter what to feeling the risk of not knowing where I'm going to get my money from. And one of the things that one of my business partners at the time said to me was, one, I've been out here doing it this long. You, why you think you can't do it? He's like, you're more brilliant than me. You work harder than me. You are smarter than me. And you are scared. And I don't understand it because what's the point? And then he also said to me that he finds it ironic that like car dealerships and, and mortgage companies, lenders and things will give more credence to a W-2 than they would a business owner. Yeah. And he, we had a discussion about why that is. And he said, it's just really stupid because is it more likely that I'd be fired or that I fire myself? And I was like, well, I'm never going to fire myself. Right. And he said, and so if I know that I've got to make this money, if I know that I've got to provide it for myself, there's a different level of commitment to that than someone who's just kind of showing up every day in a company that they have zero control. Yes. So if tomorrow that company says, you know what, we don't need sales marketing. We do it ourselves. We just do it online. Mm -hmm. That whole department could be gone tomorrow. But somehow we, especially in America, have been programmed to think that employment is a safer place. And that's also generational because my mom, every time I left a job to go to, you're going to leave that good job. Yeah, <laughs> That's the discussion, right? And so it was interesting that when this last time happened, I called her like, mom, I think I'm going to have to quit. Like I was on 400 and my phone normally drops on 400. So I'm like, I'm going to have to quit. I'm just going to move in with you. I'm going to rent my house. And she was like, girl, you'll be fine. And hung up on me. Mm. <laughs> so to answer your question, part of it is is knowing what you want to do and understanding that it may change, but also having the right people around you. Because mm -hmm. a lot of older people are like the safety mm -hmm. of a corporate yeah. job. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's something with current generations. Mm -hmm. I don't know which if we're in X, Z, what, we, who knows? Because they what keep it, changing us. They the keep relabeling that us. No longer talks about pension. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. The people who are done with that. <laughs> done with that. This current generation. I feel like there's a lot of people who glamorize. Being an entrepreneur, they do. being mm -hmm. a founder, they do almost to a in a way that I don't extent. understand. Yeah, it's yes. toxic. It like, is. tell me about that. Like, yeah. why should we not do that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that it's it's the same thing as, as many other things. The same thing is as glamorizing a certain physical appearance. The same mm -hmm. thing is glamorizing living in a certain house or having a certain car. Right? It gives people false dreams, like false hopes that that aren't even theirs. Right? They start mm -hmm. to just aspire to it, not from a real place. Like, it's different to have a role model and somebody that you've really intrinsically studied, like how they got there, and your understanding of them 
them as a human Mm -hmm. and understanding like some of their outcomes are outcomes that I want, but I don't want to be that human. So I think when we, we've gotten to this place now, we want to be that person Mm -hmm. versus understanding who they are and applying their principles to our own lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what scares me with this like toxic everything, like (laughs) toxic masculinity, toxic, like there's just so much going on. I fear that people are going to see other people and not know what's really going on Mm -hmm. and what it really took. So that's one of the reasons why I don't do social media because I don't have the bandwidth to post the bad days. I don't have the bandwidth sometimes to post the good days, but I for sure don't have the mental bandwidth to like video myself (laughs) while the day is like going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. And I feel like it's unfair to not like give you today is that day like but what's interesting is so many of I listen to a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. I love podcasts there's so many (laughs) entrepreneurs I follow who are just like I work three days a week and it's just I have to remind myself that they work three days a week after 15 years in the business correct yes correct and that if I'm at year zero to two zero to five right I'm not working three days a week but at the same time I'm trying not to bring in the toxic workaholism yeah. with me from so, from yes. from corporate because we do that. Yes. Yeah. So how do you find that middle ground? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to set your own standards and know yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're tired, you're tired. Okay. Take a break. Mm-hmm. That's just kind. I think listening to yourself, listening to your body, it takes a second though. Like you have to kind of step out of it again. It's super important to have the right people around you because my business partner and I did that a lot back and forth. Des and I were like, hey we need a break like yeah. we literally would just go to lunch like let's just go to lunch we would walk like let's just walk yes. to the park because that is a moment of like we couldn't do that we worked together in corporate and I remember us being in our cubicles like I could do my work gotta finish my month in I'm not yeah. done yet and so you felt stifled and I remember like taking a nap in my car like it was prison like I remember oh god they're gonna wake they gonna up they're gonna see me they're right. gonna find me you know, oh my god. Like, and it's happened to me like yeah. literally one of the last uh, days that I went to my corporate job so they that I call a therapist I drove to work it took me an hour and a half to get there I was like singing gospel the whole way because it's either that I'm gonna like kill an R&B album the whole way or a gospel album it depends on how I'm feeling and this was a gospel day so it was already a rough morning like it's like, I need Jesus to get through this I pulled up I had probably it was like 859 I've been there like one minute my boss comes running out the door, knocking on my window as I'm just trying to, like, you know, get my lip gloss on. Just, okay, God, be yeah. with me. And he's knocking on my window. I need blah, blah, Oh, wow. Ooh. I put the car in reverse. <laughs> I drove my ass back home because I realized, uh-uh. No, not today, Satan, because I can't do it. Like, it's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. And I literally called one of my my friends in Soros. Oh, yeah. I literally was like, I'm homicidal or suicidal. I'm not sure, (laughs) but I need assistance. That's it. And so she's like, got it. Let's find you someone. But Des reminded me of that day. So moving into entrepreneurship, Des reminded me of that day and said, we should never, ever get to that place again. We shouldn't be scared to take a nap. If you are tired... You're tired. I remember them wanting me to write someone up because they were sleeping in their car. And there was a rule of like, you can't sleep on company property. I was like, bullshit. They're in their car, first of all. So it's their property. And it's their time. Because it was also like stealing time. No, they're not. If they're on lunch, they're not stealing time. So I had to remember when I was railing against that system as a manager and then say to myself, like, you fought that battle for your employees, but you won't fight it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. girl, take a nap. Go home. So we purposely picked offices that were within like 15 
15 minutes of our respective homes. Mm -hmm. And if at the end of the day, I want to go take a nap at the house, I go take a nap. If I don't want to be there at eight, I'm not going to be there at eight. Y'all going to catch me at whatever time I had scheduled a meeting. Yes. So, and I might not make that like (laughs) to be clear, I might be late. Like that's just, I got to give myself grace. So the middle ground is to set parameters for yourself and decide what works for you. I know that like my quarters are different. So Q1 is going to be bananas. Q3 is a little bit crazy because those are timelines. Those are deadlines that I know I'm going to have to meet. But the rest of the year, y'all about to catch this fade every Monday. There we go. (laughs) This podcast is supported by Morgan Stanley. What do you get from the Morgan Stanley client experience? Listening more than talking and a personalized plan to guide you through a changing world. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. There we go. I'm not, what? Monday? Yes. Mm-mm. I work, but I don't answer one phone call on Mondays. Not That's great. happening. That's nope. a level of like, nope. You've always had it, a level of grace, but also a level of independence. It's discipline. I feel like discipline. It's there we discipline. go. That's the word. Because that's, that's what it is. grace and independence. Mm-hmm. I it's like discipline. That. discipline. Because at the beginning, mm-hmm. you want to make all the money. Yes. So at the beginning, yes. you want to answer every yes. call. You want to respond to every email. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was doing that and also setting up false expectations yes. for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Responding to everyone's email within 10 minutes meant that they started expecting me to respond in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I set up this false expectation where I was like, I can't uphold this. Like, mm-hmm. I can't continue you mm-hmm. to be responding at midnight but I've made people think that that's my norm mm-hmm. I got an email from a friend that said I'm sending this it was in his uh in his signature I'm sending this at ungodly hours and I understand that please respond at times that work for your life mm-hmm. and then I got that I said that is very interesting that's right. true like I want to work at 1 a.m today it doesn't mean that I expect you to work at 1 a.m today it's also right. interesting that people need that instruction yeah <laughs> it is right it's like oh but you because corporate mm-hmm. has trained you to like I see it it must be urgent yeah, it's midnight it must it's be urgent I, need I to gotta make do sure it that people know that I'm, I'm working on it. that right. I'm working all right I got a true story yes. it is 10 36 at night Ooh. and I get a call a telephone call not a text not Ooh. an email a telephone call from my boss and I don't pick up. Mm-hmm. And I remember the next morning, they're like, well, what happened? I'm like, <laughs> what do you ab- mean what Absolutely happened? nothing. Right. <laughs> yes. The sunset. I, li- I lived an adult life. Right. I had a glass of wine and went to bed. What do you mean? Like, Work is not so, life. <laughs> well, the real true story is that's why I didn't answer. Yeah. Because the wine had already been. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was going to exactly. say. <laughs> like, and, and, and past that point, did you have a reasonable expectation of me to answer? Yes. Is, and, and this is what I love about where I am now is that mm-hmm. I can set that tone for my employees. I can set that tone for really anybody around me, even yeah. peers, to say, yeah, no, you can work at whatever time you want. Like, even for people who work on my set, you can work at whatever time you want. Yeah. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. There are deadlines. Yeah. These are the deadlines. It is your responsibility to communicate that they will or won't be met, that you need assistance, that you need support. It is your responsibility to put things on your calendar and be present for meetings that you scheduled or reschedule them. Yeah. I don't really care as long as it's professional. But we have to change the culture. It's a culture shift. It's a mindset shift that's very difficult. Like, I used to get on Dez with, like, you got on Yeezys every day. You're wearing joggers every day. And he's mm-hmm. like, and because I can. And this is this is what makes me comfortable. <laughs> that's what I, I left a corporate job because yes. I did not want to wear Dockers All anymore. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You are, like, talking <laughs> to my soul right now. And for a, lo- a number of reasons, though. Yeah. Because when I think about financial independence, mm-hmm. and I think about financial independence for black women, you seem to be just walking in 
embodiment of it. <laughs> Literally. I feel happy. <laughs> you know, I feel happy. I feel but, it. Uh, but also for me, I'm thinking through what are the stages mm-hmm. of getting there, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're talking about like people that you look up to, read about, and mm-hmm. perhaps try to emulate. Mm-hmm. When I think of my perfect day, when I've quote unquote can say I've arrived, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm waking up. Probably my Yeezys, mm-hmm. doing whatever. But I also feel like I have a number of businesses that I yep. can tend to. Yep. Probably have this entrepreneurship thing. I come in and I do our podcast. We right. do a talk show. Right. Like I'm just doing things that mm-hmm. bring me joy, but yep. also bring me cash. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and at the same that's time, the thing. I'm able to then live my Your life, life. In luxury yep. outside of that. But I know that there's levels, right? Absolutely. And I'm at level I'm gonna say level two yeah uh, of let's say a yeah, 10 think, level journey at the beginning so how do yeah. we get there yeah because at the beginning you're doing things that may not be highest on your joy meter mm-hmm. but are highest on your cash meter yeah, okay. and that I need this money mm-hmm. and over time that switches over yeah. time you get into a position where you start taking things that are only on your joy meter and also bring you money right. and I think I don't know if it was Warren Buffett or who it was but one of these people that is like super wealthy started to describe the fact that they became I think Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett they became wealthy from the ideas that they actually enjoyed yeah and not so much from the ideas that they thought would bring them money and when I realized I was like wait so you did all these things that you hated because they brought you money in your mind and they actually did not do as well as the thing that you loved to do oftentimes when I'm coaching people year over year and I ask myself this year over year because it changes what would I do for free Right. Mm-hmm. So like currently what I realize is I, I bought a new house, I'm renovating and I've been I've been flipping houses and stuff. So at night I realize that from like eleven PM to like three AM, I'm drawing. Like mm-hmm. I'm resketching rooms. I got wow. the apps to like, you know, put furniture in it, try out new floors. Like so I was like, huh, light bulb. Okay, I like this. So I have to realize now, like, that's bringing me joy. I would do it for free. How do I figure out how to make that make me more money? Mm -hmm. How do I give that more of my time? How do I lean into that pivot? Because your mind naturally shifts. I think one of the things that we have to realize on the steps is that it's not linear. It's not one thing. You might not want to do that one thing forever. That's okay. You could want to do that and it be 10% of your life. You could want to do it and now that's 80% of your life. You've got to honor those shifts in your life and and take charge of them really so every year I try to take a moment to realign my joy and my my money that's right so I try to take a moment of saying like how much time did I spend on the things I loved and how much money did they bring me Mm -hmm. I want things that take 30% of my time that represent 30% of my joy that give me 30% of my money I want that to line up yeah it's not gonna always be perfect Mm -hmm. but that's the goal but you're also talking about mindset because I feel like a scarcity mindset Mm -hmm. won't let you do that absolutely not and there might even be a middle ground where you're saying no yep. to things yep. that might, might bring you money. money. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> might bring you money, but don't fully bring oh, you joy. Right. Okay. That middle ground I, of just yep. saying no yep. when there's nothing else yep. there. That's a moment. So what I realized is, it, what's the opposite of joy? I don't know the word. Okay, you better not know the word. But whatever. <laughs> like, what is sadness? Yeah, like, <laughs> supreme frustration. Like, I don't know. I do not live in that space. Yeah, I don't know that. But but I did. Okay. And so when I started to feel that, right, when I started to feel like my clients were my old corporate bosses, when I started to feel like when I was running from phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. when I was ignoring yes. texts because it was like, ooh, like, here you know. Go. Yeah, here, we, here he go with this mm-hmm. foolishness. So that's when I said, you know what? 
I should just say no. And I recognized that my spirit had already told me no at the beginning. Yeah. And I chose to take it because I was scared. I don't know where the next check is going to come from. But and I don't know everybody's, you know, religious background and feeling. But I had to acknowledge like God has not left me yet. I'm going to be all right. Yeah. And one of the things that like, you know, someone reminded me is like faith is, is memory in action. Right. A lot of times you've survived through some moments. Yeah. And if you just remember the moments you survived in, your memory is bigger than faith sometimes. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you just got to remember mm-hmm. that you've done it before at lower levels, but at every level you've done it and you've continued to succeed. So I just reminded myself, yeah, you've never been homeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you've never been totally without a vehicle, right? I've had some some issues, but yeah. I could get around. Did you also drive a 98 Raf? Look now, <laughs> I had a 19. She was uh, actually in the backseat this entire time. Yeah, look, so I had a 2000 Honda Civic. That's what it was. Okay. And like it got into a car accident, didn't have my AC for a little while. But, you know, just keep riding. Mm-hmm. And my dad, I still have my dad's 1989 Buick like parked at my mom's house because it's like a thing. You just, you need, you know, yeah. a car. One of the people in the book, James Harris, said, keep your powder dry that was one of the <laughs> i said what <laughs> he keeps a car always that is paid for so he might have like other cars but he always keeps a car that is paid for he always has somewhere to live that does not have a note yeah. so whether that's because he paid for his mama's house yeah. or his sister's house or whatever or he's paid for a property that he's living in and flipping or whatever he's like keep your powder dry i said yeah. you know what yeah. That, I've never heard that I before. That. Yeah. But that's the that new. Yeah, that's it. Keep oh, your powder dry. Like, you okay. know, because he was like smacking powder in his hands. He was like, yes. keep your powder dry, you know. <laughs> but what it does is it makes your hands not so sticky. Yes. Right? When you think about that powder on your hands, right? Yeah. You're not sticky. So it's basically like, I don't have to go out there and just grab any old thing. If my powder's dry, I'm only mm. going to reach for it and be able to grab the things I'm intentionally okay. reaching for and I intentionally trying to grab. And when James said that, I said, I'm going to keep my keep powder my dry. Powder dry. So. It sounds like something out of Hustle. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sorry, James. I stole your line. <laughs> the new monuments to me. <laughs> but I think we're having this conversation also from a place of privilege because right. absolutely, the only thing I have to keep alive besides myself is, is a, a plant. Is a four pound dog. Okay. You don't eat much. Me, I got a plant. Right. That I, I have to water so, once a week. Right. So many black Same. women are heads of households. Correct. Yes. And they're taking care of their own, but mm-hmm. very often others. I just had dinner with a friend last night, and she's talking about paying her parents' mortgage. Same. And I have multiple friends who are in that position. Yep. And so we're talking about making decisions that must be really hard for people. So when you're working with entrepreneurs and coaching them, how do you coach them through those moments? So I'm honest about it, right? When I started this entrepreneurship journey, I actually sat down and had conversations with all of those people who could need me, all those people who I had previously stood in the gap for. And I told them, I'm in the gap now. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is that you need, and I gave them ample time, like it was months before I actually, you know, Mm -hmm. did it. So basically when I started talking to my therapist about the need to quit my job, I started talking to my family and friends about the need to quit my job so I started telling them I'm gonna scale back on travel I started telling them I can no longer pay the phone bill for you and me I need you to pay mine actually Mm -hmm. because I've been doing you all this time I need you to have my back now it's important again to have the right people around you who understand and respect your space and that are concerned with you as a human because when people love you as a human, they'll step in the gap. Like they'll figure it out. They'll just either they'll take care of themselves, which gives you breathing space or they'll help take care of you. Mm -hmm. And that was ironic for me as like people I had helped. I had one home girl that was like, well, what we got, you know, you need me to get more on. She was paying rent, um, living in my basement. And she was like, well, how much is the mortgage? And I was like, huh? She was like, because if I can get the difference, like what? So it's important to realize the seeds you've sown. Mm -hmm. 
realize that there's gonna it's gonna come a time where you gotta harvest the seeds and sometimes as entrepreneurs we're constantly worried about planting and planting but sometimes you gotta be in harvest mode too okay. and understand what you've planted and be honest with people and discuss it with people now on the flip side because of that, because of their support, because my mama was there sweeping the floors in my new office and helping me put furniture together. My roommate at the time and a friend came and put all the furniture together for my office, like put the sign up with me. Because of that, I am in a position where I can pay her mortgage. So it's kind of like those things where you have to tell them and it's, it's not a quid pro quo. It's yeah. not a I will be able. It's you know who was there with you. Right. And respect and honor those people who were there for you because that's how you continue to win. You know, even in a professional sense, right? Even the, the clients that were down for you. Yes. When it was rough, like when you really didn't have it all together, respect and honor that space and continue to support them however you can because that's that reciprocity is how we continue to like be wealthy. What I'm hearing is like such a vulnerable or mm. vulnerability piece mm-hmm. yeah. for yeah. you to even say, hey, I need you to stand in the gap for me. Because yeah. oftentimes I think of folks, and myself included sometimes, who you are in folks' lives sometimes yeah. as that person. I'm the savior. The savior. Yeah. Sometimes that can then become your personality mm-hmm. trait, something that you feel like is a mm-hmm. part of you. Yeah. So for you to just seem like give that up in yeah. a sense. It's hard. How are you even able to say, hey, this is something it. I can do? Yeah. Not only that you expect it, but yeah. you yourself expect you do. Yeah. to say, hey, I, you do. I, I want to be this person. Yeah. And this is now feels like my job. Look, sense, y'all. Right? I cried last night. I was watching an episode of All American and Billy, the coach, asked Spencer, who is Spencer if not the hero? Right. That's the problem is that you don't have identity outside of being everyone's yeah. hero. Mm-hmm. And I was just bawling. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was from therapy. I'm going to just be honest. That was therapy. My therapist telling me that I needed to go through grief counseling. And so we don't frame it that way, but that's what it is. So effectively, you know, I lost my dad, lost my best friend, lost my uncle, and that was grief. But she also said, you lost the life you thought you were going to lead. You lost some friends. You lost the dreams. So if you grieve it, then you can approach it that way. Like you can kind of say to yourself, it died. Like yeah. that idea died. And when you give that energy to other people and they can experience your grief, people approach it differently. Because what do we do at funerals? We 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 comfort, we comfort mm-hmm. each other. We, we layer into each other. We want to help each other. We want to pick each other up. So if I give it to you from a place of understanding, this is, this is grieving for me. Mm-hmm. I got to let some of the things that I thought die in order to live the life that I really am supposed to be living. If you give it to people like that, they'll grieve with you. Mm-hmm. They'll cleave. Like they'll figure out how to support you because they care about you. And anybody who can't grieve with you, well, okay, no, they're gonna go. grieve you going. They're gonna grieve your presence. <laughs> right. You know, if they I can't honor our presence, underestimating how hard that is to set people free as yes. you're moving through different mm-hmm. stages of your That's life. It. Yeah, it's hard. I ain't nothing to miss because I was there, like crying, 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 many, many days. It's not easy. I'm not gonna minimize it. It takes you standing in the gap for yourself. I still have affirmations on my mirror right now, like that I've written on my mirror so that when I stand there I can remind myself that I'm not everybody's hero like to this day mm-hmm. there is something going on in my family right now that I had to just tell my mother you got to let it go mm-hmm. and that was really for both of us like mm-hmm. I can't solve it you can't solve it it's not ours anyway yeah. so at the end of the day let it go because it's heavy and you're tired mm-hmm. and when I recognize that like you're heavy and you're tired let it go but that's not I don't want to snap, but it's not like an overnight sensation. It's like yeah. a, a practice. It's an exercise. It's a discipline. Mm-hmm. And so it takes having an accountability partner. It takes having someone near you to remind you, hey, you're doing it again. Hey, you're and having the wrong partners will have you back down that. Like yes. even in your dating life, mm-hmm. that'll have you back down in that rabbit hole of trying to survive for everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
going back into scarcity mode, going into just let me do everything and every for everyone. Let me get every penny that's on the table. Some of them pennies ain't for you. Okay. And, and if you <laughs> take someone else's penny, then what is that? Like, basically, they're not getting the growth that they need because you took it. And it's hindering you. So, like, literally both sides fail. Yeah. yeah. And when I look at it that way, I'm like, they're going to fail because they needed it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fail because I didn't. So, if I think of it that way, I'm more prone to, like, leave it on the table. This is heavy. Yeah. I don't want to work out like that. Give us some like practical resources, right? Yep. Cuz I feel like and this is step 1. Yep. Step 2, 3, you named a lot of steps. Much, <laughs> but I mean a, a big step was the idea is, of episode you know, going to have to listen to, listen over, to and over, over again. <laughs> Me, I'm going to have to listen. What the fuck did she say? What did I say? Like literally what happened? What happened? <laughs> but to be honest, there's so much here, but I love the I just like the mindset of it all yeah. because I feel like with what you're saying, you really can't lose, you know what yep. I mean? But I liked one point that you were talking about that idea of lining up the percentages mm-hmm. how can you do that from a resource perspective mm-hmm. if it's websites if it's yep. certain things that you should have together like yep. to line up your percentages of joy what up this is Torrey, host of the hard to earn podcast and if you're a fan of music reviews then be sure to check out and subscribe to hard to earn when my partner bonesu thompson and i review your favorite new albums and classic albums on pivotal anniversaries you know 10 15 20 etc we review track by track rating from one to that elusive perfect 10 is brought to you exclusively by the revolt podcast network anchored in hip-hop powered by creators to the money that you would then mm. want to make, especially when you're stepping out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that that takes some, some calibration in math, but what I use is like a lean canvas. Okay. So I use, I've actually have three lean canvases. Like it's a, it's a, it's a one page business plan is what it is. You can't see this, but Ty is writing it down. Yes. And there are a lot of versions. I've actually customized one um, that I'm happy to share. I'm yeah, happy to yeah. publish it, but there's a lot of versions, but the, the, what I've added to mine is like how, how much money does this make me? When will it make me this amount of money? How much time does it take me? And revisiting that. So the Lean Canvas kind of explores, you know, kind of a high level mission vision for the company or the idea that you have. What technology do you need? What people do you need? What systems do you need? How much money is it going to cost you to get started? How much is it going to make you and when? And so that's one thing that I go back to often because I think what stifles a lot of people getting started in a very practical sense is not being able to put all their ideas in one place and thinking that they have to do this kind of old style business plan Mm -hmm. which is you know 30x pages or whatever I'm not knocking that you still need that especially as you get bigger and you want bigger funding and you know you're looking for outside investment but sometimes just having that one pager is enough Mm -hmm. and it's also a quick reference if you pdf it that's a a picture in your phone Mm -hmm. that when you're distracted or you're not sure you go back and say are these things still true because if they're not true, then something needs to move, like something needs to shift. So it's kind of a, a way to be accountable to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then I actually layer the, the notes that I take from my lean canvases. So I have three different businesses and then I have a kind of a lean canvas for my personal life, like things I want to do in my personal life. And so I take those things and layer them together. Like the total of all these revenue streams is X. Does that align for what my ultimate goal is if it's not then where should I be making more money nice. and where am I losing if that's the case you know same thing periodically just checking the amount of time right I try to put as much as I can on my calendar because that's the easiest way to go back and see 
How much time did I spend doing that? That is the biggest thing I've learned it's as an entrepreneur. Thing. Yeah, it's, it got to be on the calendar. Line blocking. But everything <laughs> takes longer than you expect it to. Oh, yes. oh everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If I if it's an hour, it's two. Yeah. Like, easily. And, and, and I'm, I'm surprised every time. <laughs> it's always shocking. You know, it was shocking for me to go. It's, I think lawyers must be, like, amazing at it. But to go to, like, billable hours, right, yes. was a very weird thing. One, because people try to equate billable hours to their salary. They are not the same. Mm. They are not the same. Mm-hmm. Let me give it to you again. They are mm. not the same. It should be grossly different, like at a minimum double. Yes. Because you've got to cover overhead and other people that work for you and all these things. So your billable hours are going to be significantly, from a dollar perspective, higher than what equates to your salary. Mm-hmm. Please do not take your salary and divide it by the number of hours right. that you want to work and think that that's your billable hours. You can do that as a base, but you're going to have to mark it up. Yep. So. That's it. All is right. No one's paying for your vacation anymore. Right. <laughs> so those vacation days got to be built into the billable hours that you have. Like, and then also be realistic about the number of hours that you can actually work for clients that mm-hmm. is billable versus the number of hours you need to commit to administrative functions like behind the scenes. Because people miss that. You know, they're like, I can build two thousand hours a year. No, you cannot. Like you literally cannot because you're going to need about a thousand hours, especially in year one, to just get yourself set foundationally, get your marketing together, get your website together, get your team together. If you're leading an organization that you want to grow, you've got to be able to put time into that, Mm -hmm. not just into the outcomes of the business. So I definitely go back and look at my revenue streams and make sure that the amount of time that I think they're taking and you can use tools like Toggle. I use Monday. Monday actually now has a time function built into it. I get those ads on my YouTube. I yeah, I love like Monday. All the time. It's, it's, in, what is it? Asana? Or Asana. Yeah. That's but too I'm complicated. Too complicated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, so, and I'm a, I'm a, a systems person, so I'll test anything a couple times. Oh, so nice. I've used Asana. I've used Jira. I've used Trillo. I've used Monday. I've always come back to Monday. Okay. okay. Monday has grown. So when I first left, they were all pretty trash. Monday was the best of the trash, but they were all pretty <laughs> trash. But it has grown. So now them having dashboards and boards that you can layer together. Together so you can link your boards together to create dashboards and check metrics and see how much time you're spending. So that's what I do. I literally start tracking my time against task. And that also helps you build the muscle of knowing how long it really takes. Yeah. Because then I'm like not approximating two, three hours, right? Even for clients, right? Because I was like, it'll take me a day. Right. And then it'd take me two weeks and they'd be pissed, right? Because I've under overpromised, underdelivered, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm failing them. I'm failing myself. Mm -hmm. When in reality, if I had just told them this takes a month and set the expectation on day one, no one would have called me for a month. There we go. But it was me. I'll do it tomorrow. (laughs) And they're like, it's tomorrow. Talk about the nuances, too, of this. Like, the same question. Yeah. But layer it on the fact that you're an accountant. Yeah. Because I think oftentimes (laughs) when you hear about business advice, stepping out on your own, things of that nature. It's from, you know, well-to-do people, but folks that don't have that extra extra expertise. Yeah. And from the standpoint of, let's say you're stepping on your own, but you're not necessarily working with clients. Yeah. So it's, maybe it's more something of like different. A, yeah, yeah. Something different. Yeah. What are you asking for? We'll discuss that off camera. Right. No, for so. No, definitely one. I think we, we've talked about this in past, but like definitely having someone who is financially savvy on your bench. Right. Everybody is not going to be able to give you that type of advice, right? So you do need to have somebody that if you're not 100% comfortable in the numbers that you're projecting, have someone else gut check it that you trust, you know, who's either A, doing it already. Right. And so let's say just for numbers sake, you're at level one or two. 
someone who's at level five or six or ten to look at this. Like, not someone who is also at level one or two. Like, that's cute. Y'all can do that together. And you can chit-chat. <laughs> it's necessary. I'm not downing that. You need that. You need a peer. Yes. But you also need someone who is a little further ahead of you. And I like to look both inside and outside. Meaning, I like to have someone who's in the same kind of space as me, but also someone who's not. Right. Because finance people, we all like, what is it, right brain? We're all math mm-hmm. heads. And so, mm-hmm. we don't think creatively. We miss some of the things that could be like outside of the box. Yeah. So, I like to have someone who's kind of in the same vein as me, peer, in the same vein as me, mentor, and then someone totally not in the same vein at all. Like, And that's vulnerability Mm -hmm. because being able to discuss what you plan to make and how you plan to get there with what feels like outsiders is weird. Yeah. Yeah. But they got to become insiders to you. Like that takes, that's a muscle. And it's a trust thing. You've got to, you got to find the people that you trust. How do you detect the right insight? Yeah, that's energy. Mm. That's energy. What's it? Energy. Like you got to, you got to, you got to catch the vibes. Like you just, I don't know another way to tell you. Like from a real place though, you know the credentials that are relevant to your space. So, and that's different for every space, right? So you know kind of like some of the things to look for. You know the, the buzzwords. You know the phrases and you can tell the people who just using the buzzwords <laughs> versus who actually do the work so I love that about some of my colleagues that we sit around sometimes and we hear like we call it buzzword soup they just out there throwing out all the words and we're just like and what does it mean in context mm-hmm. you don't know so I think you know you know in your space now the outside person the creative person the someone outside of your loop that's a little harder but that's energy like that's vibe that's like someone who you know has your best interest who's gonna like tell you the truth no matter what I'm thankful to be that friend to a lot of people to just be like hey that ain't it and I don't know what it is but everybody who comes around me for some reason I end up being the one going mm-mm <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm. My mom's a Virgo, and I, mm-hmm. I know exactly why mm-hmm. you're that person. Like, <laughs> it's a big no. Like, we don't, we can't do it. No, we can't, we can't abide bull. That's no. what my mama said. I can't abide bullshit. Like, she's like, that's that's your energy. Is like, mm-mm. Yeah. and she's funny enough. I've been like that since I was a kid. Yeah, like, it's just it. never. Mm-mm, it doesn't make sense. So you need that, and you need to listen. That's the other thing. So sometimes you'll have that person. They're already there. A lot of us, they're already there. Mm -hmm. But because you've decided that you're not going to hear them for whatever reason, because they're not the source you expect to hear it from, because that's not the type of friend that you think they are. They're not the type of family. They're not rich, so I don't want to listen to them. They're not as beautiful. They're not as whatever, so I don't want to listen to them. You've stopped listening. It's not that they stopped wanting to share with you. It's you putting up the wall, right? Right. So sometimes if you take that wall down, you'll start to hear things that were beyond that wall. And I think that's really important. At least for me, it was that there were people telling me stuff the whole time. But I kind of was like, "Mm, they old. They don't know what they're talking about. Like, they, you know, when you take that blinder, that block off that you've placed, then you hear more. And you got to be able to hear because otherwise, you know. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Big fail. Closing parting advice. Mm, let's see, let's see, let's see. Because there's a lot when you're just thinking about finances. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of the listeners are overwhelmed with Absolutely. like, what do I do next? Yep. There's people like me that's got a a deadline for taxes. <laughs> like, there's just a now, lot. Where do we? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause, but go ahead. Next week. Sure. <laughs> In my defense. Tonight. We're almost done. I just... Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. I got a lot of almost done. Somebody gonna hear this. I should just say her name so she know. But like, she just called me today. Like, can you do it tonight, girl? You just got it to me. Yeah. Okay, okay, friend. Like, so, but yes, I would say like you're gonna feel overwhelmed. That's okay. Like, just accept that. That's a that's a normal, regular feeling. But take a step. 
and be willing to pivot, like be willing to take another step in a different direction if necessary, in the same direction if it works. One of the things you have to be able to do, especially as black women, is to be objective with yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, if you can't love yourself, if you can't see yourself, I guarantee you no one else can. Mm. Because you're not allowing it, right? It's not a space where you've accepted yourself to be. You've not accepted your honesty. You've not accepted your truth. You've not accepted your being. So no one else can. So to me, it's like taking the first step of owning, like making a plan, whatever your plans are, whether they're personal or business, and understanding that those things have relevance to one another. Yeah. Um, big mistake. <laughs> I made a lot of plans that didn't commingle. So I had decided I was going to get married and have kids and also be a CFO at the same time. And I can guarantee you, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's not this I'm every woman. That's not real. So like making plans that are holistic, that think about all the things you want to do without overwhelming yourself. Because I am the person that will have goals in every category. That's how I start the year. I got yeah. seven categories. I'm going to be financially fit. I'm going to save. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. Yeah, I'm going to like, like falling off. Exactly. <laughs> literally. It's just, it, and it got to a point where I had four years worth of vision boards still up because I'm going to do all those things. Yeah. And this year is going to be this that year. Yeah. <laughs> no, in reality, what you have to do, and we, we go back to these very corporate concepts, unfortunately, of having realistic goals, like smart goals. I don't really like that term, but it's a practical approach to figuring out your goals. So for me, what I realize is like I like to have like one big thing that I'm focused on until I get it done. Right. So progress over perfection. Like I want to get at least this one thing done. And I also apply that in my day to day. So I have a kind of larger this is the thing I'm trying to do holistically at the top. If that's losing weight, if that's not feeling overwhelmed, what are the smaller things that get me there? And so for me, the not being overwhelmed, the smaller thing was putting things in my calendar so that I can accurately plan my time, blocking off blocks for me to just think like I got a nine to 10 o'clock. That is think time. That's literally what it is on the calendar. It's blocked. So no one else can see that it says think time, but that's what it says for me. It's strategy hour. It's power hour. I name it something different every day, but like basically make sure that you're giving yourself the space to actually accomplish a goal and check it off your list and feel good about it and then reassess and do something else. Not setting out to do a hundred things at once. I promise you if you run in a hundred directions, you won't get anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of no places fast. So, Ooh. but like you've got to like just stop, especially as, as entrepreneurs or trying to accomplish the next big thing in your life. Decide what that is. And that, that be your intention every day. That be your space every day. Like, set your heart on it. Set your mind on it. Set everybody else around you on it. Like, that's the thing. It's also not a secret. Like, there's certain things I'm going to keep to myself. But big things sometimes, I either need to let people know what the thing is or let people know that I can't let you know what the thing is, but I need you to stop distracting me. Like, one way or the other, you're going to be informed. I might have to take that yeah. as a note because <laughs> people, you tell people what the big thing is like, and they're like, how is that going? Exactly. Yes. Like, yeah. Stop asking yeah, don't do that. Right. Don't do here. that. <laughs> And, and you've got to frame your space, right? Because right. I also tell my friends, like, we, we now have this thing is like, is this a venting conversation or a problem-solving conversation, right? Mm. So it's a way to frame. You've got to frame what that discussion is. I'm just letting you know. Right. I have an accountability partner. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's set the frame. Like, cause people will start to like, they will fall into the places that you put them, right. but sometimes we don't put them nowhere. So they mm -hmm. just think they think they're doing a healthy thing for you. But for a person like me, that's like anxiety written for you to, how's it going? 
I already asked myself that this right. morning. Right. Twice. I'm always my worst critic. <laughs> I don't need your assistance criticizing me. There Thanks. Go. Got it I got it covered. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. So, you know, but setting a plan, but not like overwhelming yourself. Being intentional about setting plans that don't overwhelm you and being realistic, right? If the budget is not realistic, you cannot stick to it. If the time budget is not realistic, you can't stick to it. Make space for the things that you genuinely love. Like if you don't make space for it, they will make space some other way. Like it'll creep up some other way. And so you might as well just get ahead of it and decide that I need a little time from family. I need a little time to sleep. I really like working out. Reading is my jam. Like whatever that is, do that and make it a priority. Love it. Yeah. Uh, and so, oh, it's gone. so, so where are we going? We got a budget. We yes. got a, we yeah. Got where a, we, where we, we going? Yeah. Right. We're starting small. We're not overwhelmed. Yeah. Never, bit how by do people bit. find you? Yeah. How yeah. do you work with people? So. Absolutely. So I'm gonna be honest. I'm currently not taking clients, but okay. you can find me on my website. It's not just, you looking directly at me as you said that. Sentence. No, no, no. I didn't. I promise. <laughs> I didn't. Because I was. But I did hear like, that. I was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah. But you can find me. I I I still respond to people yeah. if they ask me questions. So. Um, my website is just mchuger.com that'll lead you to all the things I do so the accounting page all the things yes the books are on there too both books because I actually wrote a book of poetry because I like to be multifaceted so do all the things but yeah mchuger.com is where you can find me that's my email is there my phone number the contact forms reach out I'm always happy to help I'm really transitioning though probably into Q1 to focusing on coaching and not so much taking on like bookkeeping and accounting clients because I don't love that right now. I love like being able to really sit down and focus on a strategy and make a plan with yeah. someone, especially people transitioning. It's like, seemed that way from this mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, so that's great, where I'm at. Great next step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So feel yeah. free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. This was so informative. Really I appreciate loved it. it. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Stick around, y'all, because we know we got to do our recap. Listening to more monuments to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now that's a wrap for our guests, but not for our episode. Keep listening as we share our insights and all our thoughts on what we just discussed. So you know what, Ty? Let's hop right into it. This is MTM Reflections, where we debrief our segment. We talk about the guests, we talk about our own opinions, and we talk about some facts on these topics that we know are super important to you, to us, and to the culture. What an episode, but it always is a, you know, stacked episode when you start talking about money and finances and black women. I had my pen and paper out. What was one thing you learned? How do I break it down to one thing I learned? I liked the whole learn to leap and that kind of like distinctive quality between the two. What is one thing you kind of want to learn? What is one thing you want to leap? Because I think that's where I'm at now thinking through. And oftentimes when you think of finances, it's kind of the mindset first, Mm -hmm. right? I think I'm pretty good with that. But at the same time, it's like, no, I think my mindset could be a little sharper, especially after speaking to her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I like the lean canvas. I've done yes. it once before. Same. But it was like an official start. Mm-hmm. It felt so official. And now it's like you can just do it for new projects, new endeavors for your personal, personal. life. So I might incorporate that into like what I do as I start anything new. For sure. Especially when she was talking about, again, the percentages. I have to literally listen back to see exactly what she was categorizing, but I like the idea of your joy being tied to your monetary value, but like actually having percentages. Like it's not just saying one thing brings me joy and that has to be what all sources of income um, comes from. So giving yourself grace in that regard. Same. I think a lot about saying no just being better at saying no mm-hmm. because you know walking in is probably not going to bring you joy. You're on the client call. You yes. know it's not going to bring you joy. 
So why do I say yes to it? So I'm like, that's where I am now. There just we learning go. To, learning to say no. This week, what is your dream for black women? This week, I think it's really the vulnerability. I think my dream for black women and honestly my dream for myself too in that is to be more vulnerable with the people around me when it comes to my well-being around finances. Because I like the fact that she was able to tell them. I resonated with being that strong family member, friend, et cetera, the ones who oftentimes would have your back. Mm -hmm. But now I'm in a position where I still can do that, but I probably want to do less of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean when it comes to having those conversations or not even conversation, just exuding that kind of energy Mm -hmm. so that you know, I'm able to succeed or focus a little bit more on what I've got to do. So that's my dream. I like how you phrased it. My dream for black women and my dream for myself (laughs) is that we find the right team around us. She mentioned so many times how it was important to have the right people around you, have the right people around you. And I think there's a couple of areas where I need more expert advice because I'm incredibly private and I just need to find the right team to help me guide through this transition. Okay. Yeah. Kudos to that. Okay, we're finding the right team. It's it's that time of the year to make that happen yes. regardless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Monuments to Me. I hope you enjoyed. And if you do or did, please like, comment, subscribe, and follow us on our new Instagram page, Monuments to Me, also linked below in the bio. We excited, Ty. We're taking this to the moon and beyond. Yes, stay connected. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning into Monuments to Me. A special thank you to Revolt for creating the space for Black women to have important conversations. If you liked what you heard today, and we are so sure that you did, then subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend about your new favorite podcast. Head over to Revolt.com to stay connected to all things Monuments to Me. And follow your hosts, Ty and Akila, on Instagram. The link is in the show notes. everybody this is dr shonda and i am here from the paging dr shonda podcast if you're a fan of psychology and mental health be sure to check out and subscribe to the paging dr shonda podcast a show that covers and talks about buzzing topics in pop culture mental health in the black community and faith-based topics and it's brought to you exclusively by the revolt podcast network anchored in hip-hop powered by creators